and welcome to Elite Team Leadership. My name is James O'Connor, and today's episode, we knock the socks off with uh, Tyson Popplestone, who returns for his second episode with us here on this podcast, and we get to really delve deep into his uh, mission and trip to Mount Everest coming up in 2016, and we get a real update, and as we all know, there's been some major uh, things happening in the Nepal area over the past few weeks, and we really delve right in with Tice and talk about his mindset and um, his journey on to Everest, and this is a fascinating episode. We get to actually catch up. It was actually a beautiful day, and we sat in the park, and um, there is a bit of bird noise in the background. I hope you don't mind with that, but it was a great chance to sit down with my great mate Tyson and go through um, some of his key learnings and strategies and tips that he has for all of us on his journey that he's undertaking at this time. Uh, we also touch on some really other cool areas about life in general and getting the most out of it um, throughout this. So it's a great chat. Um, we really um, get into the nuts and bolts of it all, and it's you know it's a great time and um, to listen to this one, and I'm sure you get a lot out of it. Now, as I always say, you know, if you love this, I'm sure you'll have a friend who'll love this. So make sure you let them know that you know this sort of stuff's out there, and um, that they can listen to this, um, obviously free podcast, and really help maximise themselves as well. So if you love it, share it simply. So hope you enjoy this one though. Tyson um, and me really talking about his Everest journey. So sit back, relax, and enjoy. Hello and welcome to Elite Team Leadership. Today's episode features Tyson Popplestone, who's back in town and coming to join me on uh, today's show. And I'm really uh, pumped to have you over, Tyce. James O'Connor, I honestly thought I wasn't going to get invited back after the last one, but it's a pleasure to be here. It's good to be back. <laughs> Fantastic, Tyce. Now, Tyson obviously was featured in episode two of this podcast series, and we got him back on because we really want to have a update on his epic mission to climb to the top of Mount Everest, which is happening next year between uh, March and May 2016, Tos. Yes, yes. And we're going to get him back in today. Now, there's been a lot of things happening in the last couple of months since we've had you on and so much to talk about. So I really want to yeah, get stuck into that, Tyson. and tell me about the recent developments and some of the trials and challenges you've had yeah. and we'll, um, we'll get stuck in. I tell you what, it's been hard to it's been hard to miss a whole heap of what's been going on at the moment. I mean, it's it's such a sad situation that's actually going down in Nepal, I mean, with the earthquakes and so many lives and things lost. It's obviously really been a challenge to think, okay, is this something you actually want to do? Is it the right thing to do to go over there now? So, because this happened, the, uh, um, the earthquakes in Nepal that happened, what, about three weeks ago now? Yes. That, now... That has been an absolute natural disaster in the world. And how many people, I think I think it's like 30,000 casualties, I think. Is uh, that, is that like correct? That. Well, I heard the other day that it was over uh, confirmed over 8,000 killed. Over 8,000, okay. Which so, is just mental when you think about that number. And just the absolute, and, and this is where you're going to. Yeah. And and people actually on Mount Everest highest, yeah. how many people confirmed were, you know, were caught up in all that? Oh, how many? Well, I, I can't tell you the exact number of how many people were caught up, but I know... Um, 20 confirmed dead from Everest and, and at the most random place as well I mean it was at base camp which is I, I guess a, usually a little bit out of the danger but 20 people killed in that area um, it's, it's tragic it's just it's such a shock like no one just would have seen something like that happening to some people on base camp how when you heard the news 
what sort of things went through your head other than like in a personal looking at from your personal viewpoint mm. absolute devastation for the families and people over there and that happened to them but from your own mission standpoint you're climbing you're going to this place next year you are going to be exactly where these people were crushed yeah. buried alive yeah. um, you know life's cut short in that moment and you're got the courage to come back on this show two months later and tell us that you're going to Everest still next year you haven't derailed yeah let's really cut to the chase and, and that Sunday you actually spoke to me and, yeah. and we had a chat and tell me about what went through your head put on a personal view, on a yeah. level, level towards your trip well I remember um, so Kevin Fairbrother the guy who runs World Quest Adventures the company that we're heading to Everest with texted me that morning he goes uh, earthquake in Nepal I'll keep you posted. And when he said that, I thought, okay, it was, I, I thought he was just being polite, just letting me know, you know, there's been an earthquake. And um, over that morning, I heard that there'd been a few deaths. And I, I think at the end of the first day, I heard there were five confirmed dead. And I was like, that's horrible. Um, but it, it wasn't as big as what I had sort of thought it could have been. I just thought it was weird that he texted me. And anyway, the next morning I got up and there was about 800 confirmed dead. And I was like, oh my gosh. So, and over the period of that week and the next two weeks, it just it continued to rise. And um, I think the, the freshness on that first day was a real shock to me. Once I found out that people were being killed, once I found out that people were actually being killed on Everest over the next few days, I think the biggest thing for me was, okay, like how, I knew Everest was a dangerous place to be. I knew it was a, a scary place to go. And I know that in comparison to the size of that mountain, we're, we're tiny. I mean, um, but I think when you hear about something like that and, and, and just hearing the stories of, just everyday people being killed in the adventure of a lifetime, it made it really real. So I think for me, the, the initial reaction was just, oh my gosh, like this is, okay, I know it's real, but it's actually happened. Is this something I really want to do? Is this something that I'm actually willing to put my life on the line for to try and achieve this big goal? And I mean, over the next couple of days, as you said, I spoke to yourself, I spoke to my wife, Jessie, I, I spoke to a few people and um, it really was a challenge. It was a real fork in the road. I, I laugh because I called it the journey to Everest, my story. And I mean, when you hear things like this, this is just an unseen twist in a journey. Like you can't ever plan for something like this. You can't imagine the um, the devastation and stuff that it's caused. So certainly shook things up a bit. But over the next couple of weeks, I decided that you know what, it's a, a goal big enough to to pursue. Um, it's a dream big enough to chase. And uh, yeah, with that said, I'm, I'm still planning. So long as the mountains open next year, which we think it probably will be to head back over and, and really give it a go so there's a lot to take in I must admit I'm sitting here and um, admire a view of what you're doing because I sort of got I feel like a, a, a front row seat to watching you do this you're obviously my best friend for a number of years now and I um, we had a good chat and I thought it was fascinating because over the weekend that happened and I believe your cousin sort of decided it wasn't his thing so yeah. you had you know, your cousin who you sort of, you know, I know those things you really want people with you in these moments and, and he pulled the pin. Yes. Um, you had, I'm sure, a lot of such negative things around mm. this and it's a huge disaster. Yeah. So the courage to continue is just unbelievable. Like you've managed to, you really hold strong, hold your ground and go, no, we're still doing yeah. this in the face of thousands of people dying, which... 999,000 people out of a million probably can't do. Yeah. Yet. What allows you to do it? If you had to, if you had to give me a couple of things why Tyson Popplestone yeah. can continue and a million people out there can't continue in mm. this sort of moment under that sort of decision, 
with the road ahead. Yeah, I was I was speaking to my cousin. You mentioned him uh, just before, and on the day of the earthquake, or that night actually, he called me and he said, "How are you feeling?" And I said, oh, "I'm a little bit shaken up, of course. Like it's it's pretty confronting." Anyway, we had a chat for a while, and he goes, "Look, I'm." I had a bit of a chat to he had a chat to his wife and um, you know asked her how, how she actually felt about him going, which is a, a great move. Um, he's got a couple of little kids and I think together they decided that you know what it's probably not the best move for him right now, considering the freshness of a tragedy like this. That to go over and 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 I guess put yourself on the line when you don't have the blessing of your family is a it's a stupid thing. It's not yeah. just a crazy thing. It's just a silly thing. And um, uh, the biggest thing for me, honestly, the the thing above everything else is I, I still wanted to do it and I had a chat to my wife I said to Jesse I was like babe honestly like you tell me don't go and I stay home okay I said you got that if you don't want me to be there yes. I stay home and, and what I love about Jesse she's a kind of person who she's a big dreamer she's got her head screwed on well but she knows I'm a big dreamer too and she said to me she goes look you're not going to live your life fearing the worst just because okay it's happened it's it's terrible she goes but you surf people get attacked by sharks she goes people walk across the street they get hit by cars she, she goes you, you can't live your life thinking okay what if and, and i think that's a really good point i think it's amazing it's it is amazing and i think uh a lot of people say that to naive and but i think realistically i mean these things can happen anywhere there's and i think once you start letting your life be dictated by what might happen i think the idea of living like that is just it's not very exciting. It's horrible. A, it's a horrible idea. Yes. I mean, because where do you draw the line? I mean, I wonder how many people, you know, have been sitting in their house in an earthquake situation like that, maybe playing it safe. You know, you, you can never predict what's going to come down on you. You can never predict actually w where things are going to come to an end. So I certainly want to live out the dreams that I got in my heart. I want to live out the dreams that I, I feel like have been placed there and, and really chase them and not live just being dictated by the, the possibilities of failure, the possibilities and dangers that are around everywhere. I, I absolutely love that. And with your wife Jesse's response like mm. and how so a real key thing for you moving forward was first thing probably first was getting the okay from yeah. your closest people to you which was is your wife um, and she sort of you know gave you the tick of approval if you like um, which is it's more than a ticket it's, it's almost like a encouragement isn't yeah. it and I think that's crucial and it goes to the show which we will touch on in a second about the people around you and how important they are to supporting 100%. your goals um, so other than that, you said you still wanted to continue. Um, if you could just go a little bit, describe a little bit more to me, what does it mean still continue? Like with this happening, uh, is that just, I guess you just sort of touched on it in the way you say you don't want to get scared off the track. Yeah. So if you had to teach, if you had to teach a 10 year old boy to do exactly the same thing, yeah. how would you teach him to get through that and concentrate on completing completing the dream yeah well I think the first thing I would say is and this is sort of what I walked through with myself I thought okay where is Everest on my priority list where is Everest on my on my life uh, sort of goal setting list um, and Everest was well below my family Everest is well below my family and I think uh, for me the biggest thing is okay I'm gonna set goals yes. but I'm gonna leave them in order and if one of my goals gets in the way of another one if my if my wife says I don't want you to do this goal my wife takes priority over everything yeah. if she decides that you know what it's not okay for me to go out and leave her by herself while i go on an adventure that's what i say so i guess i'd find out what's most valuable to you mm, what do you absolutely. care most about and you're actually going to live that out if if your your most valuable thing says you know what this next goal that you've got isn't okay yes what do you listen to and, and for me that's just a it's a ridiculous question for me every time my wife wins isn't it fantastic once you know those priorities and have those um 
almost like a ladder that are in, they're in place and what's more yeah. important than other things and what's the most important thing to you yeah. doesn't it make it so much easier to make the decision because when people don't know what their yes. highest importance is whether yeah. you know like you said it, one of your highest things is your, your family and yeah. Jesse in particular um, once you know that yeah and you know that Everest sits below that yeah how cool how um, uh, it gives you that freedom doesn't it's it it's freeing it's freeing yeah. you know what I've been watching liberating a oh been watching a guy on YouTube lately, and it's a common saying. Casey Neistat is a um, is a cinematographer. He does work in a lot of film, a lot of advertisements, and one of the mottos that he lives by is: once you know where your goalposts are, you know how to kick goals. But when until you've got those goalposts in place, what are you aiming for? What is it that you're going for? And I think it's liberating, like you said. Once you know what takes priority, yeah, it's almost even though it sounds like okay, you've got it locked in. It's liberating to know that okay, this is what my priorities are. This is where things sit. So for me, yeah, it's 100% free, freeing, and also it makes life a lot easier to you sort of choose. Fantastic. So it's really about you knowing your priorities, knowing what's important to you. Yeah. Um, and in particular, like getting the okay from um, people with you know, because they are high on the priorities. So that was key for you. Yeah. Um, I want to touch on go a bit further into people you're surrounding yourself with. Yeah. And we actually joking talking about before how. Like, I'm a massive believer in your proximity is power. Yes. It yes. is so influential on the results that you are producing. Yeah. So, I'd love to get your opinion on how you surround yourself with people. Yeah. And we might even touch on how you do you remove people out or yeah. reduce the time yeah. you spend with them because you realize they're not a positive influence on you. Oh, Talk yeah. about the people around you, Ties. I think this is something that I've really wrestled with over the last couple of years because I 100% agree that proximity is power, but I also believe that I've got the capacity to change people's mindsets. Yeah. So I really believe that proximity is power. So I think one of the big things for me is deciding, okay, who am I spending time with in order to actually gain from them? Yes. And who am I spending time with in order to invest in them? And I think for me, yeah. proximity is power is a huge thing, but I also remember that proximity is power for other people as well. So yes. the people that I spend time with hopefully leave me feeling more hopeful or more excited than what they came before they actually came to meet me. Yeah. So I think one of the biggest things for me is for a few years before I realized that I actually believed that and felt that, sometimes I'll leave a conversation or I'll leave a group of friends and I was just frustrated because I was like, why am I spending time with these people? What, what is it? And it was like I had no reason for being there apart from just to see what happened. So I think for me, the, the like you said, we, we spend a lot of time together. I think you'd be right at the top of the list in terms of proximity is power. I get energy after chatting with yourself. My wife is another person that I get energy from being around. She's just a positive, uplifting, encouraging, cr crazy good setup. Um, <laughs> uh, to be honest, I haven't got any uh, real strict program in place apart from, okay, this person makes me feel excited and this person makes me feel flat. So if you're a good friend and they make me feel a little bit flat, I try not to spend a whole heap of time around them, but when I am with them, maybe just look at it as though me trying to change their mindset or me trying yeah. to invest into them rather than just leaving going, I feel exhausted. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, I guess I'll also like to point out people who don't know, Tyson is also a pastor. Yeah. Um, basically, is what his career, you know, his career is all about and his uh, influence in the world. So yeah. he is... Um, Working with people on a daily basis, yeah. that's, that's your role and, and you're incredible at it. Um, on that, I guess, um, if you had to give um, people some tips to find some more enlightening people in their life, because I think a lot of people probably lack people above them in yeah. a way, like in terms of um, positive influence. Yep. I think I'm always searching for influence mm -hmm. for people to help, help me. Yep. I think I know you're on the same. Um, so people listening to this and they sort of think, well, in my group of friends, my close, five closest people, um, probably not, there's not a couple of leaders within my group that I can look up to. 
How do you go about maybe finding these people? What have you done to find some cool people to surround yourself with? I think it's really easy. I think your world can get really small really quickly. Yeah. I think we can get so comfortable in the daily routines and the daily schedules and the people that we hang around with that we forget that the way we see the world is only one way of seeing the whole world. And I think what I've realized over the last couple of weeks, I know when I hear a new person come into my life and speak to me about something I've never really considered, if it's something that I'm interested in, I always leave and I feel like this fresh sense of excitement. And I think what excites me about it is not only what they say, but the fact that there's a whole other mindset, there's a whole other way to live your life, a whole other way to view your situations. And one of the things that I've found for me is it's when I get into a real structure, a real routine, and I forget about the fact that there's actually room for growth and there's room for development and there's actually other opinions about different situations that I'm experiencing each day. I think for me, that's really, really frustrating. It's really, I don't know, it just leaves me feeling a little flat. So one thing that I really get into is just I'm a big reader. Yeah. I love podcasts. Yeah. I love spending time with people like yourself where I can leave and go, man, that's actually a really exciting way to look at these situations. So I think for me, probably the biggest one is I go for a run each day or I go to the gym each day. Say that takes an hour. I'll put a podcast in of a person interviewing people in all different fields mm. and just gain a little insight on the way they mm. see the world. And even if you don't really find an interest in what it is that these people are about, often they'll leave you with a couple of little thoughts, a couple of little seeds. And, and it's those seeds that always really sort of get me excited. I really want to actually touch on, in particular, um, the information you allow into yourself. Now, Tim Ferriss is massive on this, and a few other key people in the sort of world leading this yeah. area is really being careful on the who um, and what you allow you subject yourself to. And I actually noticed myself today. I was actually listening to the radio, and yeah. I won't point out which radio station. <laughs> yeah. But I hopped in the car. I, we we jumped in the car, met myself and Tyson, and we come down here to record this for you guys. And You've got to be very careful because you got to remember, so many people have a very negative attitude towards things mm. and they have to be very influential on how you are. So with Tyson and we're talking about podcasts, I think you've got to be careful of the information you let in. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it, it's so influential on, on getting a better result. Oh, yeah. Um, so, you know, with that, um, the podcast that you listen to, like, what are the, some of the names that you would follow? Yeah, okay, so this is a new field for me. This is one that I'm really excited by because I was actually speaking to you a little while ago. You were telling me some of the people, and from there, I've just been so excited. So let me reel off a couple of my favorites. Um, no particular order. I think Rich Roll, so this guy's a plant-based diet guy. This is what he's known for. So up until about the age of 40, he was an alcoholic, he was into drugs, he was he was just living a really flat life. His story is he got to the top of a staircase once and was exhausted and was like, something's got to change. So pretty much immediately, he decided to go all natural in his food. He started to 
start doing a bit of exercise and he's actually a really renowned um, ultra distance runner so he's done some crazy crazy events I can't remember the exact name of it but there's uh, I think it's three Ironmen in the period of a week or something that they do in Hawaii and he's done that I can't remember the exact number don't quote me on that uh, he's amazing the people he gets on his show and just his outlook on life is incredible he's probably right up there uh, I think also Louis Howes or Lewis yeah, Howes yeah this guy yeah love Lewis oh my gosh he's incredible the, the people that he gets on there as well what I love about Lewis is he's a really curious guy mm. whenever he has a guest on his show he doesn't come there with this mindset of okay I'm going to sort of just chat with you he, he comes I'm going to really just ask you for what you know and I always feel as though when I leave his podcast I'm, I'm just really inspired um I think another big one for me is, this is a little bit more of a low-key one, Russell Brand's got a podcast out on Audio Boom. That's just that's one when I'm just feeling a little bit like a laugh. He's just cheeky. There's there's <laughs> not a, For a guy like Russell Brand, he doesn't leave with a whole lot of golden nuggets from that one. It's just a whole lot of good jokes. Yeah. I reckon that would probably be my three my three favourites right now. Yeah. Um, Rob Bell. Rob yep. Bell. He was actually the last guest on um, Lewis, Lewis House, House. Yeah. a couple of weeks ago. I've just discovered his podcast and... He's got a background. He used to be a pastor of a church in Super as well. America. Yeah, mm. massive church, Mars Hill. And anyway, he's left that because he felt like he was called to some new stuff. But he's really good in terms of uh, spirituality. Just his take on, on religion, his take on faith, his take on basically the area that I'm involved in is, is just refreshing. It's encouraging. Um, yeah, so he'd be right up there as well. It's interesting because so many people... I. I'm a little bit advocate. We're not going to talk about it today, but I sort of don't subject myself to watching the news very often. Yes. Um, I really stay away from those current affairs sort of type shows that <laughs> are just look at the negative parts of the world. They'll find one disaster that happened in the world, and that's what they'll focus mm. on. Um, I, I love you know you're really surrounding yourself with the right books, with the right um, with these people that you're listening to in your car and that and the way to work through this podcast and that you can really gain so much from that. And talk about like proximity is power, so important. Um, I think that really does make a difference. Wouldn't yeah. you agree with you and, and, and such a pursuit of Everest? Yeah, 100%. I think every time I listen to one of these guys, like I mentioned, it's just a, a refreshing take on life. It's a refreshing take on what people are about. Um, and, and I think it's just helped me really get clear because some of the things they speak about uh, just inspire. So for me, I think one of the greatest lessons I've had is finding out what it is that your actual goalposts are, what is it that you're excited about, what is it that you're aiming towards. And I always leave that with a fresh sense of clarity about what it is that I want to do. I've got to get not caught up and think, okay, well, I've got to do what they're doing, but I've got to think what's the advice that they're giving and how does that actually apply to my life? And I think once I figure out how to apply what they're saying to my life, I always leave with this, yeah, and excitement. Absolutely. Now, I really want to touch on... Um a conversation we had earlier and you mentioned you had someone sort of you know close in your life yeah. one of your uh, you know close associates or friends uh, mentioned to you about your career going forward mm -hmm. and that you you know you have to do it a certain way that's just yeah. the way it is yeah I find people get caught up in the rules of things and I think Steve Jobs talks about you know you know, you gotta live life and, and don't crash into the walls too much and, and just and just continue on along this yeah. road like, obviously, you're not a believer in that. You're climbing the biggest mountain in the world. Yeah. You know, you're probably one of the youngest people in Australia to do it in history. Um, you know, you've lived a lot. You're, you're a pastor. You've competed at, you know, World Uni Games and cross country and so forth. You've had some big highs. Um, let's talk about that for a moment yeah. because you and me are massive believers in blazing our own trail yeah. in, in being different and, you know, excuse my language, but 
F normality. You know <laughs> yeah, what I mean? Like, really, yes. You know, really, like, 100%. Really, just, you don't have to be normal. Like, why does everyone have to be the same for? I think one of the saddest mindsets that I hear going around every day is, I can't wait for the weekend. Oh, I can't believe it's Monday. Or I can't wait till Friday. Doesn't it kill you? It is, it is such a sad mindset. I, I literally, I feel sorry for people who have that mindset. I mean, like, whatever got people to a sense that they had to be in a secure job just so they could live a lifestyle that they're told they have to live. So I understand it. I mean, I, I get mm. how people get caught up in it, and I get how people don't really even think that there's another way, but I just find it sad that we're all taught once you go to school, then you go to uni, so you can get a job, so you can work nine to five, so one day, then you can retire, and then you can reflect on your life and think, fire it, I could have done things differently. For me, I'm thinking, what am I passionate about? What am I actually excited about? Yeah. Isn't it was interesting, I actually was listening to the podcast of um, Robert Kiyosaki the other day, Rich yeah. Dad, Poor Dad, and he mentioned, um, he was talking about this whole job idea, and he's obviously the most anti-person oh, against jobs, and, yeah. and, and that's not the way to prosperity and getting financial freedom. And he talked about how the university sort of came about a lot um, by some huge tremendously rich people mm-hmm. such as the Rockefeller family and a few others who really um, realised that they needed some exceptionally talented individuals to run their companies so they created some exceptionally educational institutions like universities over there yeah. to create these individuals to go into their companies yeah. and help them make them wealthier yeah. basically in a way yeah. and so that's how that sort of came about all these university growth in the early 1900s yeah. now like that sort of happened but like there's a lot more to it than just I've just said in a couple of sentences yeah. but People think you know a job is just the only way forward, and yet you have a group in society who are just not following those rules. And I think our today, with the internet in particular, is just liberating um, and releasing yep. so many entrepreneurs, oh, business people who yeah. are living an absolute different lifestyle, which is I've been leaders yeah. really, really standing up, and which I'm all about. Yeah, well, I've, yeah, times that Bob Dylan had it right. Times are changing. Times are changing for sure. I don't want to underestimate the fact that you can learn a fair bit in a university, but it's so easy to rig the system. I spent four years at a university becoming a school teacher. I missed so many classes. I did such little work, and it's so easy to get through. I know how to play the game. I know how to act in a way to make the teachers feel like you're getting done what needs to be done. But I think so many, even so many of the lecturers, I think, that were there, they're basically only going there so they can get their money as well. They're going there so they can get their, their paycheck. And I just found it so easy to float my way through, and and I just made me question. Surely there's surely there's a better way. What was it that I was actually there for? When I was there, I wasn't really thinking about the fact that okay, there's other ways, there's exciting new options that I can actually apply and and really live a life that I'm excited about. I was there because I was like, okay, this is what you have to do. But over the next few years, I found out that it's not what you have to do. I mean, I, I felt like I'd been lied to accidentally by so many people before I even attended uni who told me this is the way that you do life, and it's it. It doesn't have to be. It does not have to be the way you do life. You know when you and the same people who oh. are at um you know thirty or so talk about this nine to five and love Fridays yes. and this sort of stuff and hate Mondays and all this sort of rubbish. Um, they're the same sort of people. You can imagine what they're going to be like in their fifties. Oh, jeez, I can't wait to retire. The sixty-five I get to retire. Ten years from now, I get to retire. Yeah. Can, the same. I can just. I can predict. Yes. I, you can see it in your your family's friends and so forth. Some people do it. 
I sort of said to you the other day, we were talking, we were joking a bit about how long we can live for. Now, it's actually interesting. Now, I'm not going to go into our specific number that you may yeah. aim for. 128. Uh, 127 was actually. Is that what, yeah. But I sort of went off the theory, and you did. Like, our, like my grandparents are in the 90s now, and I'm sort of thinking, well, I think in 100 years' time, yeah. technology's going to be a little bit higher. Surely. But why would I want to retire at 65? Like, I actually don't even want to retire at that age. No. Like, I want to live my life continually through to 80s, 90s, and hopefully crack 100, yeah. um, which, which is my goal. And, and yeah. I think you're the same. We're a bit like, yeah. well, there's going to be so much great technology in the next yeah. 100 years. I'm pretty sure we're going to break 100. Surely. Unless something hit by, hit <laughs> yeah, by a bus yeah. something. Or, One uh, of these trees fall down. Exactly. Please don't. That'd be disappointing. <laughs> I know. Uh, there goes Everest. <laughs> but... I just can't believe people get stuck in this mindset of looking forward to their time. I hear it actually uh, hear it at previous jobs where people would just say, "Oh, you know, can't wait to you know when am I going to retire?" And these people are thirty years old. Yeah, I think we're all talking about some magical date where we're finally going to get what it is that we think we're looking for. And I think I see it. I see it from as far back as I remember. I mean, I remember being just starting high school and thinking, "Far out! Can't wait to finish school." And then I get introduced to uni, I was like, oh, I can't wait to finish uni so I can start work. Then I get to work and I'm thinking, I can't wait to finish work so I can retire. And then people, it just goes on and on. And what I love, I was listening to a podcast actually a couple of days ago, and this is a common quote, but it's so true. I think when you love what you do, you don't work another day in your life. And I think, why wouldn't we find something like that where we're actually excited to get out of bed in the morning rather than looking at job at our jobs as something that, okay, this is something I have to do for the next 30 years so I can have money when I retire. That is the saddest thing I've ever heard. And I want to find something that I'm passionate about that I can invest into the lives of people with and get up and be bloody passionate about it every single day of my life. And you're life. doing that. Uh, yeah. You are living, breathing example. Yeah. You're climbing Everest. Yeah. Um, you're only 28 years old. <laughs> yeah. So you're climbing Everest. You, you know, you're following your dreams in your work, yeah. with your past of work. Um, and I believe you're going overseas for a couple of years after Everest. is a bit of a extended vacation, <laughs> yeah. in, in a way. So yeah. you're going to be travelling. I think some of the place you mentioned was yeah. England, and then into Africa. I think you're yeah, talking. Yeah, we want to go all over the shop, the so states, and we're, we're excited to get over there. So after Everest, I get back in late May. Um, we're going to probably head over to Europe in in June and base ourselves in London and. Jesse and I just have this ridiculous passion to go travelling. Right now, I'm sitting here in Australia, and I know that if I don't go, I'm just going to feel seasick. I'm going to feel like I, I need to be doing something that I'm not. I want to get my feet on the solid ground, which is that travel. Um, so I'm, I'm really excited. To be honest, right now, I've got no particular intention with the travel apart from to see other cultures, see the way other people live. Um, I'm really excited about the future. I'm really excited of what's to come, but that's just another little adventure that's on the cards as well, which is exciting time. It's exciting ahead. because... Um, you know, you'll tell me straight up, like, you're not a multi-millionaire, you're not, nah. you know, you're not, um, you're not being given all this money or anything, and yet you're going to be doing these incredible things, and, um, and even Everest, for instance, we know that's about, I think it's about 60 grand to do, like, yeah. it's not a cheap thing to do, but these are just small little obstacles for you by the looks of things, um, you're well on your way to, you know, completing your first Everest, and then, you know, overseas is a formality. Yeah. Isn't it funny, people really hold themselves back, or what sort of things do you think people hold people back from getting out there and, and really having a crack and, and really doing what they enjoy. Um, it doesn't mean, you know, setting yourself up in a really um, uh, bad situation in terms of finances and stuff, but you're really going ahead and doing these things 
um, and, and living that life. Can you give some um, tips and pointers to how people are going about this? Yeah, well, I think first of all, I touched on this quickly before, I, I think this mindset of this is how life is, that we get ourselves in that little box in lifestyle and we think this is how it has to be. I think first of all, just ask yourself some, some questions. I mean, could there be another way that you can live your life? Could there be passions that the, the listeners have within them right now that if they're actually activated, they could not only excite themselves but inspire the people around them? I think that's a big one. You also mentioned money. I think people have this... I don't know where it, I don't know, I, I get it because I get that people think they need a lot of money to travel but you you really don't like you really really don't I mean I'm going to be I'm, I don't earn a, a whole heap of money over in Australia right now I'm not planning to earn a whole heap of money while I'm away over in England or over in Europe but one thing that I am going to be doing is basing myself there experiencing a new culture still working exactly what I'm doing here you know what I mean yeah. but just in experiencing a whole new environment I love there's a quote by uh, a guy called Seneca the Younger from about 2,000 years ago he goes it's not a man with less but a man who craves more who is poor and I think that's a really cool quote when it comes to this whole financial side of things we all get this mindset that we have to have more money so we can do these things that we I think we get this mindset of you have to have the really nice hotels or just the difference that travel actually offers you is almost a little bit challenging to our mindset so I think it's not the fact that it's actually difficult I think it's the fact that it's just different that scares people away. And I love that Seneca quote because it throws this whole idea of needing more money out the window. Our culture is obsessed with once I have this much money, I can finally do these things. But it's simply like a, a craving that we have. We, we don't realize that we can actually find that satisfaction just through a paradigm shift. In fact, peace is so often available to us where we are, but we just think there's some other thing that can be given to us that's going to finally satisfy that longing we have. Yeah. That was a little ramble, but there's just a couple of things I feel passionate about and frustrated with at the same time. Yeah, no, it's absolutely, and I guess you sort of really want to be able to um, lead by example, I guess, in these sort of things, and it's exactly what you're doing. Um, I guess it, you did mention about in future writing you know, books and that about your, your upcoming adventures and so forth. Um, I guess that's going to be really cool for people sort of to see, you know, you're already doing it now, but um, exactly how that sort of come about, isn't it? And mm. I, um, I I think today's day and age, particularly you know, people our age, around our age, is really um, seeing this sort of light and realising that, hey, there is a different way of doing yeah. things. Uh, we have got some incredible tools at our fingertips. Yeah. Um, it's me pointing at a computer. <laughs> um, we have some of these incredible tools and I just think, I really hope people, whoever listen to this, can really sit up and go, hey, it doesn't have to be that way. Yeah. I can really forge my own path. Yeah. And if it's different, probably you're, on, you're probably on the right path. Mm. If there's not many people doing it, you're probably on the right path. Yeah. Um, if you're following the, the droves of people, then you, you're likely to be on the wrong. <laughs> I think that, you know, um, it's, it's incredible. And I, um, I just saw interest in having you, Tice, um, going forward as well. Like, you even talk about um, with... I guess in terms of achieving anything, I want you to talk about how you go about that, and in, in terms of um, also being satisfied with your your effort at getting those yeah. goals. Yeah, I feel like I'm constantly walking on some tightrope of being satisfied with what I have and where I'm at, and longing for more because I know that I genuinely believe that there is a satisfaction and there is an influence that I can make right now where I'm at with what I've got. But I don't want that to stop me from pursuing more and impacting more lives and actually helping people. So I think for me, the biggest thing that I wrestle with is, okay, what is it that I'm actually trying to achieve? Setting those goalposts again. 
and I continually float back and forth. It's so easy for me to sit here on a podcast and say, you know, well, I can find satisfaction where I'm at and sound like a hippie and then go home and just be continually chasing this elusive, elusive dream. So I think for me, I've started to realize that, okay, it's not material possessions that I'm after and it's not just physical possessions that I'm after. It's not just things like houses and boats and cars and things that I'm chasing. I, I feel like I'm chasing something on like a more spiritual level and something deeper down. There's like a longing that I have in me for, for something greater. Now as a pastor, I might say that's a God or energy or whatever you want to call it. But I think so many people just misassociate what it is they're actually chasing. Yeah. And for me, I've really labeled that thing as available to me right now and, and not some elusive thing that I'm... Does that make sense? Um, just explain further about... Um, people how they could help find their you know in a stomach you know you're pointing towards something you know really about how they feel about something how do you how do you know like how do you know this is this is what you're meant to do and i find for me the the things in my life that i'm actually doing to really inspire people are the things that i, I love yeah and the things that i'm passionate about I, on a practical sound i'm gonna, be, I'm gonna sound a silly nine-year-old yeah. question how do you know you love something what, what are the triggers for you to go you know that, that, that hell yeah moment, this is amazing. Yeah. How, so, how, how do you, yeah, is, is that what you sort yeah. of go with? Or? So, so here's, here's where I'm at. I'll, I'll tell you this. I'm, I'm passionate about communicating a message of hope to anyone who will listen, whether that be in a church or whether that be at a function or a school or on a podcast or wherever it is. And I think for me, when I stand in front of an audience and I feel as though the message that I have to share with them is something that can change their lives, I just feel at home, I feel alive, I feel like I just, I've got it. I feel like mm. I, I'm, that's what I'm on this place for. I feel like I've been gifted with a gift to share a message. So I, I don't know, for me, when I'm there, I just feel like I'm at home. I feel like, yeah, I just get a knowing, a, lot, a deep down sensation of, yeah, this is, what, this is what my calling is. And I don't know, I guess people have those things in their own field. I know I've heard people talk about their, their dreams in their creative department or in music when they're writing a song and they're just thinking, yeah, this is, you just get that flow, you just get that passion. And, I can only recognise it by, by those couple of things, just that passion that I have flowing through me while I'm doing it. I really love this. Tim Ferriss is my favourite one and, and what I've started really started implementing my decisions. Yeah. Because as you, you know, things get bigger and more, um, and more, you know, you get more offers to do things, which I'm sort of starting to get more and more of with these podcasts getting yeah. bigger and bigger. Um, I really I, I have this thing where he says, he does, Tim Ferriss, you know, is the author of the Four Hour Work Week. If no one knows who he is, mm. um, hugely successful guy, and he has this thing. He doesn't do anything unless it's a hell yeah. Like That's unless it's a, if he opens the email and there's an offer there, and if he doesn't go hell yeah, that's exciting. I want to do it. It's a no. That's awesome. Isn't it awesome? Uh, so yeah. if you ring me up, and say, you know, Jock, come over and we'll um, go for a run together. If if it's not a hell yeah from me, yep. I'm gonna say no. Yeah. And I'm, I think it's almost been fair to you. Yeah. But if you're not a hell yeah, I, I don't want to waste your time or whoever it is or the audience I'm, I'm speaking to or the training that I'm running. If it's not a hell yeah for me, I'm, mm. not, I'm not in from, yeah. from now. And that's the decision. I think it's a beautiful one. So people listening, apply to yourself. If you don't go hell yeah, yep. this is the best thing. I'm not saying the best thing ever, but like a real cool thing that you go hell yeah, then uh, don't do it. That is what I was trying to say. So when I'm standing in front of an audience, I'm standing there going, hell yeah. Yep. So I would say to the audience, what's your hell yeah? That's exactly what, what I was trying to say. What is your hell yeah? <laughs> yeah. So whole podcast summarized in two words. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> yes. Love it. Tyce, we're sort of coming towards the end now. Um, love you, chat to John. We're going to have you on again in a couple of months, I'm sure. We're going to get constant updates. and um, You're the first person to be second on... Oh, sorry, yes. first person to be 
um, on the show twice. Good. So congratulations. It's an honour. Um, it's your biggest honour so far. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, no, I... Um, Final couple of questions. Yeah. We talked about your favourite podcast. So we won't go there. Yes. Give us your three favourite books. Yes. Um, and I actually love this from Lewis Howes does this. And I'm going to ask you the question. Yeah. If you were on your deathbed. Yes. And all your material, all your talk, recorded talk. Yeah. None of your information was out there in the world anymore. No yeah. YouTube videos, nothing. And you had three books to pass on to your friends and family for life. Yeah. Biggest impact on their life. What three books would they be? See, I listen to this Lewis Howes interview as well, and I always hear the hesitation in the person who's responding's voice because there's so many awesome books. <laughs> and for me, this... Okay. There's a guy called Richard Raw. He wrote a book called Falling Upward. So it's this whole concept of... So often in our lives, we go through a weak stage. We go through a stage where we feel like, what the heck is happening? You feel as though you're falling. But all of a sudden, you come through the other side of it and you realise that through that falling, you've developed these new strategies to be able to live at a greater level, to be able to understand things at a greater level. I think for me, that's a... Number one? That's a really big one. Um, oh, my gosh. I love a book that you recommended to me just for the, the message that I think so often I'm trying to, to get out there. Of you know, You've got a treasure that's available to you now, but sometimes you just need to pause and appreciate the actual location where you're at and The Alchemist yep I reckon that's an incredible book um, number three. Oh my gosh I'm putting pressure on it aren't I <laughs> I've got about seven racing through my head but I feel like they're, they're, the four hour work week for me was a really really massive one because it just it really book. challenged me in so many areas of my life it really challenged the way that I feel you know what I'm going to tell you this one um, Seneca The Shortness of Life I haven't read that one so this book is all about the fact it was written 2000 years ago by a guy who's talking about all the distractions that are set up in his society to take him away from what's really important. And I think it's funny oh, because of the fact that amazing. in our life, we, we now talk about Facebook, we talk about social media, we talk about jobs, we talk about TV, we talk about this stuff, and we think, oh, life would have been so much easier back in the day. This guy 2,000 years ago set out some really cool principles to make the most of your time, to make the most of your life. And I thought it was just amazing to hear that that time ago when technology that we have now wasn't around, people were still wrestling with those same questions. So I think that was a big one. Good three, must yeah, admit. They are a good three. I think I want to get onto the third one in particular. <laughs> yeah. um, I'll lend it to you. I've got it on my shelf at home. Now, Tice, final question. Yes. Uh, well, maybe one more after that. If you had, in the same scenario, yes. on your deathbed, yes. so again, you're dying a lot in this episode, yep. um, you had a piece of paper, yep. again, everything's been wiped out of your recordings, writings, books you're going to write, yep. you know, stack of them, you know, everything's gone. You have three pieces of... No, three truths. Three truths that you can bring to the world about life. What are they? I want to copy Rob Bell's answer. Rob Bell on a Lewis Howes interview the other day. I actually know what I'm not going to. Let me tell you one thing. I think struggles produce, produce your biggest strength. I, I seriously have found that so true in my life. Uh, I think for anyone listening who's gone through a time where they're thinking, what the heck is this all about? It, it actually gets better. Like you come out of that side and you can look back and and I, I've been through some phases in my life where I look back and I'm like, at the time I, I was hating it, but I look back and I go, you know what, that was important. I think yeah. your struggles get better. Um, I, I really think, I'm going to take one of Rob Bowers because I listened to this the other day and I thought that is so true. He says, love wins. 
and I just I think that's amazing. I mean, so often we get caught up in this whole idea of you know what I need to I need to get revenge or I need to you know be nasty to that person who's nasty to me. But eventually, love just wins. Uh, yeah. uh, embrace your struggle. Love wins. Oh my gosh, oh, I'm stuck. I feel like love wins is my biggest, and I've totally copied it off Rob Bell. Can I just say two? Yep. Are we okay? We're going to break. <laughs> With the major focus on we, number we, two. We're going to break rules right here. <laughs> there ain't no rules here. I'm going to set a, set a precedent from oh, now on. You two. can do more than you think you can. There's a third one. <laughs> okay, perfect. Tice, um, last and final question for you. Yes. What are you grateful for right now? I'm grateful for the opportunities that are around me. I'm grateful for the the fact that my eyes have been opened up to the fact that the world is so much more amazing than what I ever thought it was. Um, I'm grateful for the fact that I got a message that I believe can impact people and, and can give people hope. Well, that's a great way to finish. I um, want to thank you, Tyus, for coming on the show. Um, I really want to acknowledge you for having the courage to continue with Everest when you're under fire, you had some big you know, natural disasters, people close to you sort of, you know, pulling out on certain things and had every opportunity to derail you from your dream of mm. climbing Everest and I really want to acknowledge you for that. I really want to acknowledge you for the work you do in the church and with so many people that impacted by you. Yeah. I um, believe you'll be absolutely hugely influential. You already are, but even on a more worldwide scale yep. as years tick by. Yeah. I... Yeah, really acknowledge you for coming on and sharing with these people and I hope they really listen and I'm sure they got heaps out of it. So thank you. No uh, worries, brother. Thanks and, for having me uh, back. We'll have to catch up episode three in a couple of months or so. Can I just change one more sneaky little rule? Yes. I completely forgot to mention to anyone listening that we're having a function in August. Yes. Tell Before us about that. I've just broken a complete rule, but I really want your listeners to be able to have the chance to come and be back on there. Yeah. Visit my website, tysonpopplestone.com. We're putting on a fundraising night which is going to help support the people of Nepal in their actual tragedies that they're in right now. There's Grand Crew over there with World Vision. So we're putting on an auction night. We've got Wayne Carey, wow. the yeah. AFL footballer, awesome. coming along to speak. Amazing. We're going to have a three-course meal at Harbour Kitchen on the waterfront at Docklands. <sighs> For those of you who are feeling a bit cheeky, we're going to have unlimited beer and wine that night. Hey, I'm in. <laughs> oh, yeah, that sells it for me. Jump on my website, tysonpopplestone.com. Follow the prompts. Would love to have you guys there. So you'll hear a whole mo lot more about the uh, the story of Everest and, and, and that on the, that night. So tysonpopplestone.com, you'll, you'll see the links to this dinner yes. in August 22nd. Yes. Uh, now, I believe there's only only 60 or 70 tickets left, We've I think. We've got 68 tickets 68. left. 68. There you go. So get on quick if, you, if you're keen to come along see the greatest player of all time in AFL, Wayne Carey, which is super exciting. Yep. Tyson's really lucky to get him. And Tyson's going to be bloke. there. Come say good day to Tyson about his mission. Give him a <laughs> yes. high five. Sweet. Give him a kiss. Yep, I'll um, take both. <laughs> and it should be a great night. And I'll be coming along as well. So come say good day to me if you're not there as well. Awesome. If you're there as well. So, Tyson, thank you again. No We're going to wrap it up there. Um, I'm sure everyone loved it out there. And I look forward to our next episode. Thanks, brother. Cheers, bro.